Oh man, there it is once again. Hopefully, yeah. Ooh, I mean, it's not. It doesn't quite work as a bit because the last two weeks have had it. But please know, listeners, that when I do sit down to edit these, there's, I'm always like, where is that file? It's there. You heard it. Uh, the, the bass, the beat. That means only one thing. Well, it could mean a couple of things because that song is used in a bunch of other commercials. But what it means right now is that it's time for DLC. And, uh, oh my goodness, there is so much going on in the gaming world uh, as we speak the past last week into this week. It is another jam-packed week of releases and news, and there is no one I'd rather have to cover the games we're playing and the news that's popping this week other than the shows and my personal good friend from Spawn on Me, among many other things, Mr. Khalif Adams is back. Khalif, hello. How are you? What up, Christian? It's so happy to to hang with you, man. It's been it's been one too long, and also it's just been again just too long. We haven't had a chance to hang out in a bit, so I'm happy to be here rocking with you. Well, I'm happy to have you. Thanks for taking the time. So I mentioned Spawn on me, but also for people who maybe don't know you, or or you know maybe haven't heard you on this show or checked out Spawn on me yet, they've likely read or heard you somewhere else, right? Like give the people a quick rundown of other places they can find you before we before we dive in. Oh man, so Spawn on me, we've been doing for about five years. We're almost on our sixth year uh, towards. Uh, well, January will be our sixth year of doing the show. Uh, I call ourselves the preeminent podcasts spotlighting people of color in the video game industry Uh, so you see me doing that work uh i've been doing some fun stuff just in the world of gaming just i did some stuff at pax this week uh or last week i should say uh running around and doing things there i host a whole bunch of stuff i've hosted stuff for xbox ign uh the mix all these other wonderful things so i've I've been around in many many places you might have seen me doing things and around lots of stuff uh, including being here on DLC a couple of times, thankfully. But uh, yeah, I'm running around doing a whole bunch of things all over the place at this point. So before we really dive into uh, stories this week, I did want to check in with you about PAX, because while we talked about some of the news on this show that came out of it, neither Jeff nor I, um, or I believe any... Yeah, no, no we had, haven't had anyone on the show who was there on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. You went, you survived the flu, I hope, yes. the PAX flu. Um, what was your overall impressions of PAX this year where so much was talking about, you know, how has E3 changed? What is E3 becoming? And I feel like PAX has just kind of remained this quiet behemoth that happens in multiple cities, multiple times a year mm-hmm. and is key is, is, is trucking along. What was your experience? PAX is always one of those shows where you just kind of understand how much work it takes to put on a, put on a show that big. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to come off E3 that has been trying to figure out how to, kind of get to the stages that PAX has already been and kind of has solidified itself as like the premier kind of fan con for gaming at this point. And yeah. PAX, is, PAX was just great. PAX was fantastic as usual. I did a whole bunch of stuff like I like I usually try to. I usually go into a show saying, I'm just going to go hang out and walk the floor and go chill. <laughs> I wind up doing like four panels. At least he died doing what he loved. Not yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I did like four panels, moderated one. Did a whole bunch of walk around stuff on the floor. It was it was busy and fantastic. And there were some great, great games and some some surprises that I found on the floor, too, which really kind of uh, made it made it worth going this year, because sometimes PAX is a rough show, because especially PAX West, a lot of stuff doesn't really get revealed at PAX West. But um, it was a great show this year. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. What was your biggest take like your your the thing you were uh, not maybe most surprised to see, but like kind of your 
best experience at PAX, be it a game or, you know, hmm. hearing some news or something like that? It's funny because when you sent me the rundown prior to the show, um, there was a, a section always, of course, about VR. And I felt like I didn't play any VR stuff, but I got a chance to play Iron Man VR at PAX. Ooh. And that was my surprise of the show. There were two, okay. Disintegration and, and Iron Man VR. Iron Man VR is absolutely a thing that made me want to get a PSVR kit. I had one. I gave it away because I wasn't using it. Yeah. Uh, and now I want another one just to play that game. It makes you feel exactly like you would want Iron Man to feel in all the physical and visual and auditory ways, which is great. Hmm. And, hmm. It's, and it's one of those things as me as not a huge Marvel fan, to be excited coming away from that game and being like, I want to play more of this was really, really surprising to me. I came out of that yeah. thing like I was glowing out of that besides the sweat, but I was just glowing with <laughs> with, with good <laughs> with good feels and good vibes after playing that thing. Wow, that's some high praise. I'm curious to see what the, like the you know the longevity or the length of that game is. Like, how quickly do those feelings maybe go away? Of like level 20, you're still flying around as Iron Man, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I've heard only good things from people that have experienced it. So that's very encouraging. Yeah, I did not expect that to be the thing. And then Disintegration, which is this um, kind of MOBA-esque uh, top-down shooter that's mixed with like MOBA aspects. And then there's like Capture the Flag aspects. And it's uh, you have to do a lot of objectives and, and things like that. And that game, when I first saw it, I was like, I don't understand what this game is trying to be and what it's supposed to be. But then after getting hands-on with it, all those little pieces of the ideas of what that game is supposed to be really came together, uh, getting a chance to actually play it. And I'm really excited about that thing too, because it wasn't something that even, you know, folks around the industry were like, yeah, disintegration, we just don't know what it is. Um, and now people are talking about that game as like, we need to play this more and we need to get hands on with this because it is a lot of fun. So I had a blast with that. Um, Predator was also really good, which I didn't disintegration expect. Disintegration is the... This quickly it, that's the v1 interactive game right with like yep. that that team is stacked mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah okay yep. yeah i yes i have watched video of that i wanted to make sure having not played it uh and don't you know having watched it from afar and thinking it looks beautiful and really cool the name doesn't stand out no it does not i wish that they would figure out it's weird because it's like in one way the the generic uh, parts of the name of that game fit that game's generic look hmm. but the generic parts of that for from a marketing standpoint i'm sure that they are just like we maybe need to figure out a new name for this thing because it doesn't the game looked like really something. yeah i thought the game looked really interesting because how it was kind of like you mentioned combining a bunch of aspects of other things and kind of creating what appears to be from afar a very unique experience mm -hmm. um, but every time it comes up i'm like yeah yeah no no yeah no i know private division is doing outer wilds or worlds oh and then descendant uh private division you're 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 publishing some great games but <laughs> the name straight yeah yeah it's it's a lot of different games in one that all feel really cohesive once you play it and it feels like one of those games that if you if you're a, a fan of tactical shooters and yeah. you have friends who are like excited about games like that you'll all find your way to fit a class that you like and be able to kind of contribute if you find folks who are really competitive or and really communicative when they play so it definitely came away from that with high praise of that game too um and predator too which was um predator hunting grounds which i did not expect 
to necessarily dig as much as I did. I mean, I'm a huge Predator fan. I love that that IP and then and that series, but yeah, I didn't expect the game itself to feel as good as it does as early as it as it is because it was on a really early build. Um, but Ophonic makers of Friday the Thirteenth uh have already had that pedigree kind of nailed down with that kind of asymmetric you know five mm-hmm. on one kind of thing um which we'll get to gotta, more of later i'm sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically um but it felt really good like uh i played as a predator killed everybody ran around with skulls um i just don't know what it feels like from the other side of that game which is the the, the five uh, soldier side of it um yeah. that's the thing i'm actually curious to know about how how does the shooting feel in that game because i'm not really I don't know if Ilphonic, besides the stuff that they did on, what was the game that got kickstarted for God knows how much money and never came out? What is the name of that? The ship I mean, one? the one, there's a lot of them. Well, yeah, oh, that's true. Um, yes. Star Control? Star no. Citizen. Citizen. Star, Star Citizen. Citizen, yes. Yeah, I know they did a section because they were kind of like farming out pieces of the the kind of gameplay mechanics to different companies and different studios. I know that Ophonic was doing the kind of the first person shooter part of that. So it okay. feels like those connective tissues are probably going to be good, but I didn't really chance to get a, uh, to play with that stuff in Star Citizen. So um, it was, it was, it was a great show. There's a lot of good games on the floor, a lot of fun stuff that I didn't even get a chance to talk to, but we'll talk about, but there's a lot of good stuff that came out of the show this year. Very cool. Well, we're going to start this show. Of course, this show this week brought to you completely free by Third Love. You'll be hearing more about them later in the show. But I will call what we had that that prior conversation I'll call the prologue because I have to start the show the way we always do, of course. And that's what story of the week. Um, And Khalif, as our my our feels weird to say our as the show's guest, (laughs) um, you get first pick. What is your story of the week? Um, Electronic Arts launching their surprise cloud gaming test service. That was really interesting this week. So I go home, um, coming home from work, and I check my emails, and I'm like looking for, literally, I was like, I hope they gave me a code for Borderlands. Um, So I'm looking (laughs) through my email, and um, I see this thing from EA that's like, yeah, we're doing this cloud service thing, and we want you to test it out. So jump on here and, 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 and get your hands on with it, which automatically just raises my eyebrows because I'm just like everybody and their mama is starting to get into the cloud services game. Oh, that's, and that's it, true. Actually, Christian's mom just started one and I want you to test it. So um, <laughs> it's really good. My mom has three games on there right now that you can play from the cloud. Um, they're all a oh, first person shooter, a fighter, and then uh, an RTS. So <laughs> uh, shout out to Christian's mom getting in on the, in the on the wave early. I appreciate. Yeah, you those. know we got it's still in beta. You know, expected launch twenty twenty. So, but uh, you can pay two hundred dollars now and join the um, your mom's founders <laughs> edition package. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's I'm sure somewhere someone down the line is like we got to make that happen for real. Um. So I booted all up and I have expectations at this point because I've played some cloud services stuff. I've had a chance to go on, go hands on with um, like old school stuff old, on live and PSN, PS now and 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 uh, what's the newest one coming out of um, Stadia Stadia Stadia. I haven't had a chance to touch Stadia yet, but I hear it's really fun. Oh, actually, with the Google Cloud stuff that they did uh, when they were running Assassin's Creed in your browser. So, yeah. Like Google has their hands in everything, but 
it was really interesting to see how well the service played. I played Titanfall on it because I, whenever I check out cloud-based so I'm gonna services. Pa- I'm going to pause real quick. Sorry. Yeah. Just so we can, I'm going to set the stage a little bit. Project Atlas is what they yes. call it. Yes. Um, they announced it and this fooled me because the surprise launch uh, beta, I was like, oh man, what is this? And I started deep diving on it and I got really excited about this article where they were explaining it. And I was like, oh wow, this is really fascinating. And that article was a year ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they kind of first started talking about it. Then there was no news. And then a two-week test of Project Atlas, it launched with uh, FIFA 19, Need for Speed Rivals, Titanfall 2, and Unravel. And mm-hmm. they talked about... Um, Chief Technology Officer Ken Moss was talking about that this is a very important step for them. They want to try things on smart TVs, tablet PCs, smartphones, and stuff like that. But they're trying to gather more inputs at scale to test performance and quality of service in a variety of network conditions and on multiple server routing scenarios. Um, So this first test was on PC. They're working to expand it. So that's kind of the stage. You got Mm -hmm. an email uh, getting access to it, and you jumped in with Titanfall 2 first. Yeah, jumped in with Titanfall 2 first. I think one one of the things that I kind of go into any cloud service test thinking about is besides latency being the biggest issue is trying to figure out what games are going to possibly be on that service that people have to offer. And the games that I find to be the most difficult to replicate offline, I mean, on in cloud services are things that are really twitchy. So like anything that's a first person shooter, anything that's a fighting game, those things that will come with a, a bunch of scrutiny because the timing on those things are so important to be able to play those things well. Right. Um, jumped on Titanfall 2, booted it up. It gives you the same UI that you would usually see if you booted it up natively on your console. Looks looks really good. The The settings are the interesting part when it comes to what they offer up. If you're used to playing on PC, you're used to having so many different knobs and, and, and dials that you can tweak uh, for visuals, for you know how pretty you want your game to look. This, especially being in a beta version or a super early test version, you have none of those nuts and nuts and bolts to, to mess hmm. around with. Like it's all really, we're gonna give you the experience that we feel we feel is the best one for your ping, and oh, then you get a chance to to play with with it from that aspect. So you don't get a chance to move around anything in the options that much. Um, but booting it up, it felt good. It felt it felt doable. It's never going to feel optimal if you are and have played games for any substantial amount of time. I haven't seen any cloud service yet that has done that work to feel good in those kinds of games. Um, but but if you're playing something like Assassin's Creed or you know kind of a adventure game or something to that effect, then it's you you can fudge things in different ways that that doesn't feel um, so laggy. So. It felt good, but it didn't feel as good as if you were playing it offline. And I, I think that's the the main crux of most of these services is that you'll have a different level of expectation going into it. And hopefully it will meet the minimum bar that, that you had in terms of expectations. And if you get anything that's even better than that, then that's a win. <laughs> that's kind of the way it lands right now. I, I mean, again, Stadia is going to drop soon. Uh, I think what towards the is it this year or is it is it next year? Yeah, the founders edition, you know, like pay to play, yeah. you get the controller and the the dongle for your Chrome, whatever, is November. Right. And then the actual you don't need to pay us anything for the service, but you need to buy the games is sometime in twenty twenty. I think March, but I could be wrong. 
Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it's going to have so many factors that play into your experience and how you, how you kind of discern whether you're getting your money's worth. Um, but I think that right now they're just trying to figure out the kind of minimum spec stuff of just like, where are you located? Do we have a server that can hit? And how, how does that feel when you're playing it? And then they'll kind of work from there. So it was, it was interesting. I didn't get a chance to play FIFA. Um, I feel like FIFA would be another good uh, test of what that service may be because it is so twitchy in that way. Um, but Need for Speed, Rivals, and Unravel, I think, are really interesting additions to it. I just don't understand why they were the ones that got put in there. I feel like if you're going to showcase what that thing can be, you have to kind of go all in. And those games don't feel like all in additions to that to that particular part of the service. Yeah, I wonder if they like had some different control input, something, you know, like there's a reason they wanted some form of a platformer or a racer Mm -hmm. just to see how those controls ping to the server or maybe different game engines is what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe how that ran on it. But I am super curious about all this stuff. I, was, I think I was talking to, I forget who it was, but someone you know, not on the show. Um, just a waste of a conversation because it wasn't recorded <laughs> for a podcast. <laughs> and, and my thought was like, if these things deliver on the promise, Cyberpunk 2077, when it comes out on Stadia, should that look better than any other version other than the top of the line PC, like whatever it is, 3090, you know, whatever graphics card is out then. Right. Because you'd think that it could do the one of the perks of this, other than the click to play, no downloading plan any device is the idea that you're running the highest end machine. So it'd have ray tracing and like 140 frames per second or whatever. And all that stuff is right. Cause mm-hmm. or, or how much does graphical tech, and this is a question to you as much as our audience is my um, tech, knowledge in this regard is very limited how much does graphical tech potentially slow down um input or frames that i'm seeing and stuff like that is like a more demanding game harder to stream to me um Mm. in terms of graphical fidelity or is it just how quickly the inputs need to be relayed back and forth that are kind of the the thing that determines that factor and i don't know those answers and i'm not sure if you do but i'm fascinated by the question yeah, I mean, I think the more the more data that you have to compile and then, you know, deconstruct, pushed into packets and then send over the internet, the you know, it's the reason why I think that if you were to try to put, you know, a very, very simple looking game on a streaming service, it would absolutely benefit the the input lag that you would have or benefit the, the latency of being lower. Um, in a space like that because you're not pushing as much data through the through the pipe you know what i mean so Mm. it's like i don't know how well virtualization of you know like gpu lane information works yet um that's the thing that weirdly i'm like i poke at at work but it's like one of those things that um i don't know how it actually works under the hood especially with the tech that they're using but I would assume that the thing that that most people are super excited about when it comes to most of these cloud services, and the reason why I think most people were really excited about Google in particular was the the biggest idea around how to get around the lack of infrastructure that we have in the country to kind of do some of this work is the fact that you have all these data centers that are doing all this comp- all this compiling of 
that data and basically making all these supercomputers that, you know, NVIDIA has been talking about with every new GPU that they push out. They're like the Turing stuff that we have in our in our new GPUs will help to balance out and help to 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 kind of spark, you know, AI being able to do some of the work and and offload some of that stuff to AI uh, being in the space. So it's like there's a lot of different conversations about how to kind of get the packets to you. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, like you do, about what's the level of fidelity that we should have an expectation for. I'm still under the ideas that most of that stuff you'll maybe in the way that Google's been talking about possibly pushing out 4K streams at some point. Mm-hmm. I think most people are going to get a good 1080p experience. And then that will be the baseline going forward until either infrastructure catches up or technology gets better. Um so we'll see. I don't know yet. Yeah. And I'm curious too, along those lines of like, you know, way back in the day, uh, Sega versus Nintendo, like blast processing or mode seven and mm-hmm. like how these, these consoles differentiated each other. And then later it was kind of the multi-platform game that was across console where splinter cell on GameCube is better than the PS two, but worse than Xbox, but you know, <laughs> can do that or the other, or, you know, shout out to digital foundry who puts out, incredible comparison videos and tech breakdown videos for retro games and all the the new games as well. But it's the same thing like control on base PS4 versus pro versus PC versus, you know, kind of breaking that down. Mm -hmm. And if we live in an all streaming future, like what is the thing that they advertise? Like on stadia, we can push through ray tracing and this, that, and the other, and that, that, and that at 4k with only eight frames per drops or, you know, like Mm -hmm. what are going to be those future buzzwords uh, try to sell me on Stadia versus uh, Project Atlas over xCloud, or is it just going to be the exclusivity of catalogs? Because I really look for, like, with eight MBIPs, badoop bops, you can stream <laughs> faster on Stadia. And then xCloud is like, but with the whoosh architecture, we get your controls back to our data centers with a whoosh. <laughs> you know, like, I'm definitely on, on Team Wush. Team Wush, I'm definitely on Team Wush. If they, if they push out Wush TM, then I'm down with Wush TM. <laughs> I'm down for that. I'll, I will appreciate it, but I'll be a little sad that I'm not getting any of the money for that trademark. But <laughs> but I think that that's going to be the thing, right? We we will see. I think that most companies, once they get their, their feet underneath them, you will have, just like in Borderlands now, when you see it on, on, on consoles, it's like performance or, or fidelity. You know what I mean? It's going to be resolution or it's going to be performance. And I think that at some point, those buzzwords kind of melt away and it's just about yeah. how well it looks or how well it feels when you do it. So there'll be probably be those buzz lines and those kind of taglines. that's like faster on stadia or, oh, yeah. you know, prettier on stadia or one of those kinds of things. Uh, whomever, whoever gets to, you know, win that race in the beginning, will will be able to kind of stamp their, their mark on it. And I think that yeah. that's going to be the thing that actual consumers care about when it comes down to it too, is, a lot of folks are are curious about the way that the monetization and the way that the kind of um, splitting of the, I guess, gaming ecosystems are going to wind up being like what games goes to what kind of deal. Right. But I feel like the people who are going to win are the folk are the folks who mimic the offline experience as well as possible, and then mm-hmm. that's going to be that's going to move everything forward in terms of what is going to be the important thing that people care about in terms of what consumers care care about. Yeah, those are great points. And there are a lot of great stories. I I don't want to uh, force us along. I am going to add one more point to this conversation. But 
don't worry, listeners, there were other stories. We'll get to them. I promise. Um, <laughs> my last thought here, and then Khalif, if you have any others, but my last thought here is as silly as like whoosh tech or whatever it is, I do think coming up with terms or branded solutions, names for those things is a very important part of early tech or mm -hmm. pushing your market forward. And the example that I often use is Apple with their retina display or right. now like a liquid LCD. Like what does retina mean? You know, like broadly, it's like, oh, from your eye to where you hold it, it you can't see the, but then since then like Samsung and every other phone manufacturers touting their actual resolution. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the resolution of my phone versus a Note 10, but Apple landed that buzzword, you know, won that buzzword battle of like, oh, does it have a retina? Well, mm -hmm. no, this is, you know, 480 by, you know, 189000 Okay, is it retina or not? Like, right. what does that mean? Like, you need to simplify it in a way that touts it as being great. And, and and you've seen that in past consoles. And I think we're going to need to see that again in this streaming tech in some way that people can understand. Yeah. What Apple has done over the, the past 20 years has removed the techiness of a thing yeah. and given you that buzzword. So it's like when everyone had an MP3 player, that was what everyone actually had. But everyone was like, no, I have an iPad. Well, I mean, I have an iPod. Yeah. Before and that, you had I, a, a player of a type of file. Right. What people called it. Right. And, and now it's like iPod that. is the name of the thing that then moves forward as like, what is the thing that your mom asks, asks yeah. the people when she goes to the store for? It's not an yeah. MP3 player. She's like, I needed an iPod for my for my kid. Yeah, so my dad done a good doesn't job use a tablet. That. He uses an iPad, you know, right. like, right. Yeah. yeah, they did a good job with that. You're, that's a great point. Whoever whoever wins that race will definitely get the the uh, mind share of the consumer. And that's going to be important to push cloud stuff forward in any way. Yeah, it's just the two of us building castles in the sky. It's just the two of us, you and I. Um, so with that, sir, I'm curious what you would pick as your second story of the week before I, I chime in with something that, that has caught my eye. Ooh, um, let's go back to Apple, because I think that that was a really interesting thing that came out uh, in the past week. Apple Arcade, uh, we got some more information on what that is going to be. A wonderful article over on Polygon kind of shared some info about what games will wind up being on that service. Um, some of the ones that I remember from the conference, because I sat there with bated breath looking for my 17 cameras on my new phone. Um, oh yeah how many cameras <laughs> does your phone have well, i was like bro only has one camera bro how many cameras you got bro you got only two cameras bro nah man you can't see me literally you can't see me <laughs> dude with those these people stopped cameras. us and tried to take our picture of the day only four cameras on their phone i was like get out of here <sighs> the best thing was when i saw how many cameras are on that phone it reminded me of a kickstarted project that literally had about seven cameras on one <laughs> it was like seven lenses on one new camera oh, and it, yeah. it looked literally just like how this phone looks now it was it was a fantastic thing anywho <laughs> um uh yeah apple came out and they talked about some of the sort of the dope games they're going to bring to the service cyanara wild hearts was one of the ones that i was really excited about because i got a chance to play that before and yeah. Annapurna, like they they just don't do they just don't put out bad stuff. No, um, they, yeah, all hits. They, they're like all hits all the time. Um, and it kind of just reinforced what folks were excited about in terms of what the possibility of bringing an Apple streaming service for games into your living room would be. But I think everyone was really uh, worried about what the pricing would wind up at. And it seems like for five bucks a month, you'll be able to. Uh, 
get like a hundred games at launch almost. I think yeah. I think that was the number that they shared about a hundred or so. Five bucks a month, and as you're listening to it, like this week, it's September nineteenth in the mm-hmm. U.S. Uh, uh, and five bucks a month, and that's shared across a family plan or like your wink wink college dorm room plan if you trust other people with your credit card and you share that. But five bucks a month for a family, I think it's pretty incredible. Like if you have, you know, your kids on the old iOS devices or whatever, and you and your partner on one or whatever it is, like then the price comes down even further to like, is this, is this a no brainer thing? But Mm. the other side of it is I find a lot of people play mobile games in a very um, passive, like a past the time kind of way, not, like me saying, okay, I, I'm going to go carve out some time. Don't bother me. I'm playing Borderlands. You know, like right, right. I I know some people do play mobile games that way, but my my concern with this mobile game subscription of 100 games, or you know, whatever it is, is that does it further trivialize these games and these experiences where you jump in and you play um, half of Exit the Gungeon, right? And you're like, oh, mm. that was cool. Blah, 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 blah. And then you leave. The next time you're bored somewhere, you try ballistic baseball. And you're like, oh, uh, I don't know about that. And versus like the idea, I paid for this. I'm going to play it. Yeah, that's a good point. I I wondered too, because my mobile gaming habits, one, I hardly ever play mobile games at this point. Like I usually when I'm on my my iPhone, I am making music or you know doing something on the internet sliding into dms you know what what else are phones for (laughs) i mean i mean have you heard about these lenses i have like 16 lenses (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's it's one of those things that like the last game that i actually tried to put any effort or, or or had any excitement for on my mobile device was gears pop and once mm-hmm. gears pop stop connecting to my xbox live account for some magical reason i just deleted the thing because i was like this doesn't make any sense um, interesting yeah i mean because it was like it was interesting part was like speaking about the cloud was like i had cloud saves in there and i had gotten a whole bunch of stuff together and like grinded and played a whole bunch and was really enjoying it and then once that disconnect happened i had to start all over again i was like i'm done i'm out yeah um but like games like Into Exit the Gungeon and Overland, like those games are meaty games yes. that definitely feel like they're not throwaway and they don't feel like they're kind of um, made for mobile, if that makes sense. It feels yeah. like they are full size games that will be on a new service that is connected to things that you already care about in an ecosystem that you already use. It's true, and a device you already own, yeah. Right, so it's like you when you have those weird offshoot games that are kind of like, we made this thing based on this IP that you know, but it's not really the game that you thought it was going to be like, like a Gears Pop in some weird way. You know, it's like that game is based on a, a game that you actually care about, but they've made this bite-sized, chunked, chunked out version of it so that you can enjoy the game in another way. Um, but I think that's going to be the, the telltale part of it, is like if you can pull games in and either be ports or uh, Apple kind of put money where their mouth is and say, we're going to help the development cycle on some of these games, but we'll do it for exclusivity. Then that makes a huge difference in the way that people will look at the games that are coming to that service. It'll, it'll change the way that people are looking at it from a development side where you have these two front runners right now who are kind of, looking to snatch up everybody in app in Apple and the Epic game store. 
Yeah. So it's like those two competing uh, ecosystems who are like, if we give you money, you'll put your game on our thing and then you'll get paid out of the, out of the, right off the bat. So it really is going to depend again on, you know, how well they curate stuff, uh, which they didn't do well in the app store. Uh, right. And they really didn't do well in iTunes store. Yeah. Uh, and that will be the determining factor on, you know, what gets buried as opposed to what actually shines and, and gets spotlighted well. Yeah, because there's some stuff. So you can Apple has a list of things. And they said this comes out soon, the 19th, I believe. But Various Day Life is from the team behind Bravely Default and Octopath Traveler mm-hmm. from Square Enix. Um, uh, what was the other? Super Impossible Road from Rogue Games. It's a high-speed racing game. Uh, that looked really cool and beautiful. A uh, Steven Universe, uh, original Cartoon Network game. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be in, interacting with those characters and worlds in a kind of a mobile RPG that I thought looked really cool. Skate City, I thought looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and oh, Shanty and the Seven Sirens from Way Forward. So I think Skate City and Shanty kind of highlight the other issue I think Apple might have with this service with as it launches with iOS 13, where now I can play with my Xbox and PlayStation controller you know, just kind of synced to my phone. I don't need to use a, a MiFi or whatever it is, certified controller per se. Right. I'm curious if Apple will have a similar issue to an issue I think Nintendo has long had, maybe since the Wii of, are developers making a game that is best on touch and can be played on a controller, but is it, you know, is that the way it's meant to be played? Or mm. is it meant to be played on a controller, but hey, you can play Dead Cells with touch also? And like, how do they prioritize and sell that as a thing to an average consumer who's maybe thinking about Apple Arcade or something and playing a game? How many uh, mediocre experiences, not because of game design, but because of input control and the way they're playing it, does that hinder people's experiences? Like now with the Switch Lite, where it's like, you know, someone buys Mario Party Switch and they're like, this oh. This isn't how this is meant to be played right. uh, on this screen or whatever. Um, I'm curious how they highlight needs a controller or best with controller or best with touch and kind mm-hmm. of how they they navigate those lanes. I mean, did they ever come out with I mean, they you, you can use your Xbox controller with it or something. Set up any Bluetooth controller. controller yeah, that'll use? be with iOS 13 um, is when that starts or has started. I think that starts okay. on the 19th as well. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the biggest, yeah, like, it is going to be the biggest hurdle, right? Is like, surprisingly, they did not do this in a way where you could see the secondary marketing scheme kind of come into play, where it was like, this is going to, this is going to be the thing that pushes people towards an Apple TV. Like, that would make more sense, right? It's like, we know that this is going to be a big screen experience that you're going to have, and that we want to push you towards more stuff that's in our ecosystem, um, cause I re- like, I don't see myself pushing these kinds of games to my iPad. If I had one, I don't uh-huh. see that being a thing that I would kind of want to put in. Like these are, this service is the great version of the airplane, uh, time killer <laughs> stuff, but it doesn't work if you'd have bad wifi on an airplane. Yeah. So it's like if they can figure out some way to let you download the stuff and then have an offline version of it, then that ecosystem makes a lot of sense. But when you, again, push those things into spaces that people don't necessarily use and put them put make makes the consumer kind of try to think outside of the box in ways of connectivity, then it doesn't really work as well. So they're going to have to try to figure out, you know, is this like you said, going to be 
stuff where they have multiple versions and multiple control schemes for each one of these games? Or do they just basically chunk it out and say, hey, we want you to use a controller with this kind of thing. And maybe we'll do a discount. We'll, we'll bundle some stuff in together with the, with the, the service or something like that. Because I can't see myself playing something like Shantae or something like Super Impossible. Like Super Impossible Road is a great, would be great in touch. But I don't think that other stuff that's like Overland would be great with touch. Or Gungeon. Yeah. Gungeon would be terrible with touch. Yeah, it's like a different version of it that's maybe does it. But like, I love Dead Cells. I think Dead Cells on iOS is a very good version of the game, but it is Mm -hmm. never the version I'd recommend. Right. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Last question for this from me to you, sir. Khalif, are you going to subscribe day one to try it out or free trial or, you know, whatever? Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely jump in. I mean, I feel like as a person who wants to always know what's happening, I would, yeah. I will do that work just to be in in the conversation. Um, and I'm actually really excited to check out Overland because that's yeah. a game that I did not purchase in any other way yet, and I haven't played it. And it's a game that I actually am really excited to play. Um, so that may be my my first kind of initial jump into what Apple has to offer. And again, it's like when you price things in that way at five bucks, then it's kind of a no brainer. You just do it and you're like, all right, we'll see what happens. And then you forget six months later when you've yeah. not used it. And you're just like, oh, I have a th- <laughs> how many <laughs> dollars have I spent on the service that I don't use? Yeah. Uh, then then you'll, you'll, you'll rethink it to see like, what was your return on investment for that kind of stuff? Yeah, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to try. I think it's like comes with a little trial when it launches and I will give it a month and uh, we'll talk about it on this show. We shall see. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get to some of the stories that jumped out at me, but before I do, I need to thank our sponsor, Third Love. If you listen to this show, you know that Third Love makes bras. My wife loves her Third Love bras, absolutely loves them. They're always um, the first to be worn, the first to be packed for trips, the only to be brought on trips. Um, And what makes Third Love so great is they use data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and a premium feel. And so they offer more sizes than most other brands, more than 80 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes, because uh, believe it or not, it's important for your bra to fit. Uh, <laughs> it makes a difference in comfort, support, how you feel. Um, you need to have a good fitting bride. And also with that Fit Finder, uh, Third Love makes it easy to find a bra that fits you well and a bra you're going to love. You can try it on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences where someone you just met is, you know, they're doing their best to try to help you, but it's not a, it's not a great experience from what I've been told. So you don't need to bother with that anymore. You can use the fit finder, um, answer a few questions and get a great fitting bra. Uh, it's a few simple questions to find your perfect fit. Over 14 million women have taken it. It's fun. Less than a minute to complete. Um, your breast shape matters when you're finding a good fit. The Fit Finder will help you um, go through all that and find, uh, identify a breast size, your breast size and shape um, that fits your body. And they have a perfect fit promise. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, put it to the test. If you don't love it, you can return it. And third level, then wash it and donate it to a woman in need, which is, I think, pretty incredible. Even if you don't like it, it's not just thrown away or sitting on some shelf somewhere. It goes to a place that is going to get use. Um, but also you're probably going to love it. You're, <laughs> you're probably going to love it. Uh, returns, returns and exchanges are free and easy and they're very comfortable. Like I said, it's always the first thing that my wife picks when we're going on a trip. It's always the first thing, um, 
out of the drawer that she's wearing. She loves it. And if you or your partner is looking for a new bra, it's super easy for me to honestly recommend Third Love. Uh, check them out. And you can go, uh, they know that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, DLC listeners can get 50% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC. That's third spelled out T-H-I-R-D, love.com slash DLC. Now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase, thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off today. Thank you, Third Love, for uh, sponsoring the show. If uh, I had only known that they were the sponsor for your show, I would have told my wife to go to them. She literally just got fitted for a new bra yesterday. So well, there's still time. Def- there's okay. still time. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and there's still time. Yeah. No, the, the legit. Uh, they are my wife's favorite. Um, we have gone back numerous times. She has, she's like, I'll try it. Okay, I like it. Yeah, I should get a couple more of these. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> Which is always great. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's great. Um, another thing that I hope is great, I guess if I were to pick stories, I do think the biggest for me would probably be the Apple Arcade stuff, I think is is very big. Um, mm-hmm. I think if Jeff were to pick a story, um, I think Jeff's story this week would probably also be the Apple Arcade. Am I picking Jeff's story of the week while he's out? <laughs> um i think that'd be it i really do it's it's a pretty if in in its success state it could change the industry um mm-hmm. otherwise it's just a, a blip in the radar but it has potential um my story is coming out of tokyo game show project resistance which we kind of talked about on this show i think it was anthony taramina and i when it was teased it has now been fully released um and it is a 1v4 asymmetric online survival horror experience set in the world of resident evil where four people are testees like lab rat people and and some i don't thing and then one person plays the role of mastermind setting <laughs> traps and uh taking control of uh oh my gosh what's his name re2 mr cross yeah we're gonna call uh, him mr cross because we can't say mr x anymore that's right because it is the cross button um and you just mess people up uh and then i guess you win this looked gorgeous i think you know that re engine uh, of whatever they're using for it is still stunning um i i think it's very interesting i got a lot of left for dead vibes from it but mm-hmm. also it seemed like it was still slower gameplay a la resident evil and then i think like you mentioned Khalif, and you're talking at the top about predator watching this trailer I'm not so sure being any of the high school kids, it, it seemed like a nice archetype of those like jock, uh, yeah. brain, uh, you know, like uh, healer, you know, kind of mix of people, horror movie people. But mm-hmm. I don't know how fun it looks to play as them. What What are your thoughts on this? Did you watch the trailer at all? I did. I watched the trailer. And I mean, of course, like I'm, I'm with you. Anything Resident Evil related, I am fully like excited for. Um, it is one of those things where you do have to worry again, like from the other side of it, it's always fun to play the monster, but is it fun to play the victim, quote unquote, the victims? Yeah. Um, and I don't know because we we just don't have enough info yet about what each particular archetype is going to bring to the table. I feel like what they could do well is they could figure out ways that to have some kind of um, tactics that 
that involve synergy between the characters. Because what happens usually is like you just wind up getting a character with a skin and some attributes that stereotypically go with whatever that thing is. It's like the jock is really strong and he can pick up stuff that right. other people can't pick up. And the you know the healer person is the one who yeah, here's like the, the quickest, nerd but the healer. Yeah, use tech or yeah, but can't take a hit. Yeah, yeah, it's the nerd class, and the nerd class will you know call the police first, but they'll. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll like run away and hide in a corner it's like I, I appreciate the fact that they've figured out ways to um build out those systems i just don't know yet what's going to be the thing that resident evil which is not known for its weapons is going to bring into the table that's going to make you really excited to play as the as the four other characters yet and that's going to be real interesting once they flesh that out but i do like the foundation of having this overseer that's kind of watching the gameplay happen and is and is adding things to the mix to mess up the, the the kind of main characters and their progression i love games like that i love when you do that when you stream there were so many fun games that did that work before and then with friday the 13th and now predator being a thing with this asymmetric kind of gameplay I'm really excited to see what comes out of that because they're great to just watch other people play because you just don't know what people are going to do. Right. Like humans do really interesting things when they are scared and when they are backed up against the corner or backed up against the wall. And it's just going to be real fun to be able to see that stuff uh, play itself out. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this Project Resistance game is one, Capcom has certainly tried this multiplayer, you know, Resident Evil world style game before. It was not a hit. Um, no. in its prior iteration um maybe commercially it did okay it was not um, loved by critics or gamers it seems um and here as we kind of mentioned these survivors are classes or archetypes and so i think it's kind of creating a game where it's really five potentially bespoke characters and they all have to be fun to play i think otherwise you have a game that I think quickly gets stagnant of you hop in, you don't get to be the mastermind, you bounce. You hop in, mm. you don't get to be the bruiser, so you bounce. Or you know, you don't get to be the tech person, so you bounce because you really wanted to play as her, or whatever it is. Right. Um, and if they don't all, it, it's this weird thing. Like you want them to need each other to create this really interesting thing where like, all right, Khalif, take down the cameras. All right, the cameras are down. Um, mm. You know, Sarah, go over here there and heal, heal Brian. Okay, Brian. You know, make sure you, you flank over and, you know, protect Malcolm because he's going to lay down the shield. But if you're not in a group of people that play that way, it's <laughs> quit. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, even I've Overwatch, which I feel like does it so well in terms of like, yes, there are classes. Yes, there are types, but you can still kind of have fun if you're jumping in with randoms. Um, it, in my opinion, it struggles. It's not as fun of a game with randoms as it is with a, with a team of people you know or mm -hmm. and people that know how to play the game and here i'm curious like how engaged is the mastermind throughout the match like they need to have enough to do so that they're playing and not just kind of setting up like an old tower defense style game where you do everything and then you kind of just watch for a minute yeah. but if they're allowed to do too much i feel like it wouldn't be fun to be a survivor because you're just like oh crap it's un uh, it's unfair because now the mastermind is going to take over this character and they're going to do that. Oh, it's just like you never get a chance to catch your breath. So I'm mm. really, really curious about this game. I'm really I think curious. they need to do 
secondary things that don't necessarily involve direct gameplay, especially for the mastermind. Like one of the things I loved about Splinter Cell multiplayer was when you played Spies versus Mercs, you had proximity chat. Yes. And proximity chat was a huge part of messing with people and adding different layers of fun to the game. Like imagine if you're playing Project Resistance and in most kind of RE settings that are not, you know, the, the most previous and most recent game, you're kind of always in these spaces that are big factories and they have all these kind of communication portals and, and intercoms and stuff like that. Like imagine if you were like walking through a scene and you're you're like trying to get to the next stage or the next layer of it. And the person who's the overseer in the mastermind can see what you're doing because they can anyway, but they have like uh, an attachment to the closed camera system, right? And they can talk to you in the process of you going from one place to another to kind of mess with you to be like, are you sure you want to go that way? Are you sure? Are you sure you want to go down that, that corridor right now? Like those weird small things that we see in all horror movies that kind of just like emphasize the scary parts yeah. of that. I feel like those are the things that a lot of people forget when it comes to these kinds of games. And it was the thing that I love the most about Friday the 13th was when I played Jason, I would just play random music through my headset or through my microphone that was like either scary music. I remember one of my favorite sessions that I had, I was chasing down a, a camp counselor playing uh, uh, Rihanna's Shine Like a Diamond, Shine Bright Like a Diamond as Jason while I'm stalking them in, in the camp. And it was, it was hilarious and really silly and stupid, but it added this other layer that wasn't just particular uh, parts of the gameplay. They just laid the foundation for good memories. Cause I feel like that's a thing that when you think about games like this, or you think about left for dead, you don't think about the minute to minute gameplay of you shooting a zombie or you shooting a witch or things like that. You right. remember what happened with your crew and the people you were playing with and things that they did that made that scenario fun. So if they can yeah. nail those bits, then it makes a lot of sense. But if they can't nail those parts and you know, you're just shooting at a zombie that's going to be a bullet sponge for a really long time until something else comes along to kill it. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they nail it. I, I I like that Capcom keeps taking these chances with the franchise, especially with Resident Evil, where now it seems like it's a very fresh franchise that they're you know putting a lot of thought and effort into, but also not treating as a sacred cow, where it's like they're going to take chances and, and deviate from something that worked really well. Like RE7 was a huge hit. So now let's go do remake RE2. Oh, mm -hmm. that was a huge hit. Now let's do Project Resistance. Okay, it's I, I I really like it, and I hope they maintain their streak of hits because it's it's fun to see. It's fun to see. Mm -hmm. uh, two other quickies. I don't know if you need to spend time on, but I thought that was cool. Final Fantasy VII Remake will have a turn-based classic mode that will play just like the original came out at TGS. Um, I like stuff like that. It'll replay, recreate the same style of turn-based gameplay from the original Final Fantasy VII. So if you want that, you got it. And then Nintendo Switch new ring controller uh, game and attachment and all that stuff was officially announced. Ring Fit Adventure, which my advice to our listeners would be, I'm happy to talk about it with you, Khalif, but my advice to yeah. our listeners would be, go watch Nintendo's trailer because <laughs> I... 
it, I, I, I've done a full 180 on it. Like I was like, I can't, this is now I love it. And I want to win an Oscar. Like it's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite video I've ever watched. I can't tell if they're in on the joke. I, 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 cause I hadn't seen it. I had seen the device, but I hadn't yeah. seen the video. And I'm totally, I'm, I was like, this has got to be like, airplane the movie dlc like this has got to be like something in that respect because the dude's face is so animated that it just doesn't make sense i've never seen someone that happy about a plastic ring in my life it was kind of amazing and i can't front as a person who is just like nintendo stop trying to kill the planet with all these things that people won't buy that you keep putting out into the world i kind of want it I kind of want it and I'm mad that I want it because it looks kind of cool. I'm so like that. The guy for both hosts, but particularly the male host in this official trailer, like when he's watching the the woman talk, like his, he's like, he's so into it when he's talking. Oh my gosh. I, I'm not yep. going to buy this thing, but I, I love this video. I'm glad it exists. Just so <laughs> I got this video. Like I love it with my whole heart. Sincerely. I sincere, I know it sounds like I'm being sarcastic. Like, I, I legitimately love this video and I mm-hmm. I can't under I don't know I don't know the reality behind it. <laughs> I, I, you swear that it was like made by Devolver. Yes. Right? Like if you play it backwards, it will say like Alan Wake is coming back. You know, or something. <laughs> like oh, it's so good. It's, it's so very good. It's so good. Uh okay. Super well, good. we'll leave that. We'll leave that there. Go find it, people. Seriously, pull over uh if you're driving or if you're exercising you know take a breather get a get a sip of water watch this (laughs) watch this video um and while you do that we're going to transition over to the playlist which is where we're talking about the games we are playing uh i saw your list and i remembered i played that game also so i added it to mine uh i haven't played much of it but where would you like to start our games largely overlap i'm curious what you want to talk about first um, I know that we talked a little bit before about wanting to do a control spoiler cast, which we won't do now because it's not enough time, but I finished control. It is absolutely in my game of the year contention. It is probably in the top two at this point. What did you play on? I played on PC. Okay. I played on PC. I've heard the, the, the stories about folks who played on console, especially if you didn't have a PS4 Pro or something that affected it, not it kind of chugging a bunch. Well, if you don't have a, a device with whoosh tech, I don't think it can do it. So <laughs> I'm telling you, it's fidelity or performance, man. You can either have yeah, one uh-huh, or the other. Nice, nice. Oh, man, you can't control how bad that thing is going to play on your non-PC. Um but it was literally one of the best things that I've played in a very long time. Like they just nailed everything when it comes to lore. They nailed everything when it comes to aesthetic. They nailed things in terms of just making a really interesting protagonist. Yeah. Um, especially especially having a woman, prota- woman protagonist. And it is the thing that I'm hoping that they do. And I'm sure this is anti to what most people in the industry are thinking about at this point because of the conversations around crunch and around um you know people working really long unreasonable hours for stuff i don't want remedy to make another game for a very long time i want them to continue to make control dlc though which they announced and i didn't put on stories because i feel like this well jeff's gone dlc has become christian gushes about control uh every week (laughs) 
<laughs> but they they did announce DLC for it, a photo mode this year, and then I think like kind of some trials or some replayability. But then what got me very excited were the coming in 2020, the two I think paid expansion story mode DLCs, and one of them mm-hmm. is definitely a picture of a guy or a human, a person in the woods holding a flashlight. It's Alan Wake, people. It's Alan Wake. It mm-hmm. looks like it's something Alan Wake related, and. Yes, the objects of power, the way that the the oldest house can be anything anywhere. Again, I'm not going to spoil anything about the game here, but yes, like they could Mm -hmm. they could literally keep making things about this game, and especially as Jesse's role within it, like it's Mm -hmm. it's infinite universes that they've created that can live inside one universe. It's incredible. It is it is the end of Bioshock Infinite. (laughs) literally it is the end of bioshock infinite it's like you can go into this room and it's infinite things whatever you want and i just want them to riff on all the things like one of the and we can we can move on after this but one of the things that i really loved about the way that they build lore in that in that game is it just touches on all of my urban legend urban myth x-files brain stuff yeah that I was just like, oh, you can just go so many places with this. Like, there's there's literally nothing you couldn't do and work it into this story, and it would totally work. And that is so difficult to do when it comes to content that is not a part of your base game. That seems like it's not an offshoot of, and it's not pulling too, pulling you too far away from the main experience. Yeah, And it would just be so cool to see how far they'd be able to take these stories and build out lore and all that stuff. So Control, absolutely one of one of my favorite games that I've been able to play this year. Um, I just started Gears 5 uh, a couple of days ago. I've had it for a little bit. Um, and I think I'm probably in like chapter two or three, maybe even a little bit further. Um, that is also... That game, Go ahead. just in case people are yelling, because they usually yell at me. Uh, mm-hmm. while they're listening and i'm just gonna throw this out there to our listeners i don't remember uh, i forget where i am too Are that, is that game chapters or acts is it act and then it has chapters within the act i think it, it's acts and then chapters within the yes so are you I an act so. two or three or are you on chapter two is what that's what i'm trying to nail down is like how many where yes. are you hours hours like oh. how many hours do you think you're into it probably like maybe 15 or more i think i'm in like act three so you're close i'm i think i'm close like i I usually gears kind of break down into like five five to six chapters yeah so i feel like i'm probably getting close like the way that the story is kind of moving and the the kind of ebbs and flows of where things are landing like i'm feeling like i'm getting close but it is also like having seen people's reactions to some of the stuff that's in the story it makes me feel like maybe i still have a ways to go But what I will say, um, so I don't spoil anything, is it is the best gear story that I've played since I think two. Yeah, because I think two was my favorite. Um, And this feels like a very complete thought and a very complete idea about what they're trying to do narratively yeah. <clears throat> that is bridged off of just really solid Gears gameplay. And I feel like the Coalition has done something very, very special here that I don't want people to overlook. And that's the fact that they've like maintained this story for a very long time. And the Gears series has been going for a while at this point. 
and for them to 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 not get into the weeds um and kind of dilute what that game and that series has been having come off of kind of two games and maybe two or three games that weren't as stellar it feels like if you were to say Xbox and Microsoft were kind of in their groove again like Gears 5 is a is a testament to what that is and it feels like when Gears was announced as being the game that was going to be coming out and that was supposed to be the game that was going to usher in new hardware and stuff like that, I was totally not excited for it. I was like, I don't care about Gears anymore. We need more new IPs. We need them to do new stuff. I feel like an idiot now that I said that stuff. I think they should still do it, but I feel like Gears <laughs> has absolutely like come back in a real way. And I'm really excited to finish that game up and, and see where it lands because they've done a fantastic job technically, narratively, multiplayer feels really good. And then I still haven't even done any Horde or any of the other stuff where you like do the uh, survival stuff yet. I haven't yeah. done any of that yet. And it still feels like a really big package that I'm still trying to unpack. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest praise I can heap on the game it's how complete of a package it is and it was in no way scaled back because they are prioritizing 60 frames per second and therefore you know spent time optimizing and didn't couldn't develop xyz mode or it's coming to game pass so because it is yes it's going to be on game pass but the escape is going to be ten dollar dlc and mm-hmm. horde mode is going to be a five dollar dlc and you know it, it is as big of a game as any Gears game has ever been, it feels to me, maybe bigger. And that it is on Game Pass um, and on Steam and also available, you know, traditionally. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it absolutely blows my mind what the Collision and um, Microsoft have done with this game. I am further in the story than I was last time I talked about it. I do think it, I, I still don't know how it lands. You are further than me, Khalif, based on mm-hmm. hours, I would guess. Um, I'm going to speak vaguely. Mm -hmm. I I wish it's, I think I understand the narrative reason for why it starts the way it starts. Mm -hmm. Personally, I wish that it started further into the story. I, I, I wish it started with a changed mindset. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because I feel like God of war was not held back by the way it started. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to think of other games that kind of, you know, have rebooted or, or reshaped a franchise. I don't think Doom 2016 was held back by it being what it was. It didn't try to hand you off from Doom 3 or, or Doom 64 or something like that. And I feel like while I assume it, it, it does stick the landing and Gears 5 will be probably my favorite Gears campaign, I felt like when I first sat down to play it, especially this is my baggage that I'm bringing in hundred percent my baggage. <laughs> All right. Sit on this couch. Let's yes, talk yes, about it. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. But landing when it did the, the, the era we're in now mixed with the amount of freaking games coming out around it, which is a total mm. first world problem baggage that I'm bringing into it that I, I get excited by the new shiny and, you know, want to talk about different things for this show that when I first sat down to play gears five and I, you could have told me it was a level from gears three. I didn't play like I was put off. I want what I am chasing now more than anything else is heroin. And I just want to do heroin. No, um, but I, 
<laughs> what I am, what I, and if you are addicted or anyone you know, I I do apologize for making light of that. Um, seek treatment, be a support system for someone you know and love. It, addiction is a very serious problem. Runs in my family. Um, sure. But I am chasing that new experience something that does something or, or makes me feel a way that i haven't felt before and spoiled first world problem my own baggage i need that to happen relatively quickly to keep mm. me engaged without people telling me no 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 Battlestar gets good get to season two no 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 when right. gears opens up have you like people were tweeting at me after last week's show which one thank you to everybody for doing it nicely and vaguely but they were like i think you said you were three hours in has it changed for you yet? <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm, how are you mm-hmm. feeling? Um, and yeah, I, I like control immediately. There's a moment early on with the janitor where they, he replies to a thing you say to yourself. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, there's something more here. What that game brings in terms of like animation and signage in game and everything kind of working to play off each other to make it feel like, well, it's a, you know, PsyOps has done similar things, but I feel like the package that it was delivering was something very new mm-hmm. immediately pulled me in. Resident Evil 2, which oddly enough is a remake, but what that game did with its update of gameplay style and perspective shift immediately brought me into the game. And it was giving me this new interesting experience. Mortal Kombat 11, while similar mm-hmm. to Mortal Kombat 10 in its layout and structure, its narrative immediately pulled me into a story mode. And then the incredible way that it teaches its fighting mechanics, in my opinion, kept me engaged in this new, interesting way to keep me tinkering with the game and gears for the first several hours. I was wondering why I'm playing it. I was like, I've, mm. I felt like, I don't know if you feel this way when you demo a game at E3 or PAX or something, but I'll sit down and because I'm very fortunate in the position I'm in to have this experience with these games, I feel like very early into a demo, I can grok it. Like I, I get it. Right. I know what this is. like, well, you have another 20 minutes. I don't need it. Like I understand. And that's yep. what I, I feel like gears lived in that world for a very long time in gears five of saying it's gears. And I'd rather them <laughs> slap me and be like, this is gears. This is right. what we're doing. And so I hope it lands what it's doing, but, um, yeah, I was I was very I was surprised by how it presented itself initially. Yeah, I didn't have a a moment like that until yeah, probably like three or four hours later into that game. And I and I totally am with you on that. Like I I I pose that question to most people when it comes to some very specific games of like, well, how long is too long? Well, how long does it take for it to get good? And is that a a big issue with your game if it takes too long like that was me with final fantasy 7 after having not played it for when it came out and then playing it super super later in life um and it was like i don't understand what i'm supposed to be doing and i also shouldn't this game be better by now since everyone has said it's the best thing since sliced bread yeah um but yeah like you said control starts off strong and it continues to move forward i'm having that same feeling with borderlands at this moment too yeah, let's shift gears Which, to Borderlands 3. Borderlands 3, we are both playing. I am playing on PC. You are? I'm doing both. Um, I just started on PC today. Okay. And PC is the way to play. <laughs> to be honest, like I, 
I have a fairly decent rig. And the first thing I did when I played on PS4, because um, it defaults to uh, resolution mode, I was like, oh, this is not okay. Like, this doesn't feel good. It plays weird. It's just skippy and it's not like, it's not smooth at all. It's, I'm like expecting to have this particular experience. Throw it on performance and it plays buttery smooth and it's fantastic. Huh. Um, but then moved over to PC today. And it is even even more so a testament to just what frames will do to a game. And it's just so much better on PC that I want to go back because I'm kind of at the same part on both platforms now. Yeah. And I have friends who are going to be playing it on PS4. So that will now be my I just want to go run around with people and do stuff. Right. Version. And then my actual like for real, for real playthrough will be on PC because it's just such a better experience in terms of what I'm feeling and the way things move and the way that just the smoothness of of everything around me just feels so much better. I want to play it on PS4 or Xbox. And I also want to play Control on a base PS4 just because I'm personally very curious what it is like because I've heard other people say, you know, it's fine. I got through it. And other people being like, this game is unplayable. It was like mm-hmm. single frames. I can't. So I'm, I want to have a hands-on impression with that. And it sounds like I might want to do that for Borderlands as well. I'm, like I said, playing on PC. And uh, I'm maybe three hours in at this point. Um, yeah. It, uh, I'm very frustrated by it. At times, it mm. is amazing. And I'm I'm on a, a very, if you listen to the show, you know, uh, a very new rig. Built it just, you know, last month. Uh, 2070 Super and the bells and whistles that you would think would go into a new PC built around that. Um, And at times I'm like, this game is butter. It's so much fun. Uh, I tried to play. I did. I played some earlier today before we did this show. And the, it was a stuttery mess. I'm talking like the loads. I was like, maybe it's taking a while to load again. I'm not a back end tech person. And then I was like, I'll play and, and, Maybe it'll catch up. The the whoosh tech will catch up and it'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, it had to have been 15 frames. I didn't turn on my frame counter. I don't know why, but I was like, Interesting. this is garbage. So I force quit out, uh, force quit out of the Epic Game Store entirely, launched back in, reloaded it, and it was great, butterly smooth. Um, but in my first hour with the game, I had two hard crashes. One hard crash, I lost maybe 20 minutes of progress. Um, I was in a intense firefight in one part of the game and like all audio stopped for a while or like at least guns and explosions stopped. This is all technical stuff that I'm, I'm hoping can be fixed, but yeah, my experience on PC, having not played it on console when it is firing on all cylinders, I think it is outstanding, but I've had Mm -hmm. enough hiccups that in this first week, it's hard for me to say definitively that this is the way to play it. Hmm. that's reasonable i mean and again it's like so many different factors can play into some of that stuff like i was playing it on dx11 when i first started it and then threw it on dx12 just to see what it would do and the initial load and they and they preface it and they say this in the the, beta whatever yeah they're like this thing will happen and it'll load and take longer to do this and this and this um, but that's interesting to hear that you're having those kinds of issues. I mean, I, I, I made sure that I checked my GPU, uh, drivers and got the latest versions yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. 
but it is one of those things that again that's the that's the the blessing and the curse of PC gaming. And it's the yes. reason why sometimes when I get frustrated it, that when I want to see the best version of best looking and, and kind of smoothest version of a game, even though I know it will be on PC, the fact that I have to look at windows at all when I'm not doing work, <laughs> right? It, it, I'm like, Nope, my IT brain is very much full of uh, tech PTSD. And I'm just like, nah, I'm going to go play on my console and I'll deal with my not 4k business yes. over there. Yeah. Or like um, right now, someone listening is probably like, Oh, it's probably because Christian has MLS four seven on turn that off. Everything's a dream. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to turn right. that off. It's like, oh no, you, you can get it, you know, you can juice 80 more frames if you just turn off this. And it's like, well, how would I know? Okay. It's like, that's yeah. the side of PC too. Like even in the settings with the game, you don't want actually ultra shadows or make shadows look worse. You want medium yeah. shadows because the way it reflects yep. light. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they're like, how many lenses does your machine have? You need more <laughs> lenses on your machine. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like that part. That's the one part of PC gaming that I, that even though I am well versed and understand the reasonings why things do what they do, it is just I need things that move and work as soon as I need to put them to to use. Yeah, let's talk about Borderlands Three proper then. The game itself, not our um, play, machine, what we're playing it on. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the game? It's kind of the same thing you talked about with Gears at first when you were talking about it needed to. I'm still waiting for it to ramp up in a good way. Yeah, I've gotten through maybe one, two bosses. The first one was really, really fun and interesting in the way that it kind of um, came across in the display. Like, I think that Borderlands as a series does the kind of grandiose introduction really well for characters like you get that really dope splash screen and it gives you their little tagline underneath it and their you know slow motion growl into the camera kind of thing that they do which is always good it never fails and it's like a bad thing but then when you get into the fight it's not that interesting like they're not doing lots of things besides just throwing more enemies at you strafing and glowy strafing and glowy strafing and glowy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, did I get a crit? Did I get a crit? Yeah, I got a crit. Okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that part to me, I was saying this on Twitter the other day, was the thing that is the most um, important part of Borderlands, of course, is the guns and the you know the different permutations that you can get from from most of those things. The problem that I'm having right now is like I'm so used to games that have like really great sound design and really good like chunky weapons like control has chunky weapons like when you throw a thing it feels like it has weight when you shoot a gun it feels like it has weight there are other gun there are other games like that. i played the modern warfare beta earlier today too each one of those guns feels very different has good weight it feels and sounds like something that is formidable yeah these super magical planetary interplanetary guns for as cool as they are with the different kind of add-ons and different, you know, status effects and things that they, they have and, you know, multiple ways that you can fire them all. Like fire a shield stuff. deploys and like the psh, psh, psh opens yeah. up or reload like, and all that stuff. Yeah. That stuff is super dope. Like I love those parts of it, but they don't feel as good to shoot as they should. And that to me right now is the thing that I keep thinking about when I'm shooting a thing. I'm like, it really does feel like I'm shooting a thing that goes pew pew. Yeah. And that's not fun. 
like it's cool it does what it's supposed to do when you find something that you like that does something wacky that feels great like i had something that i throw like as soon as you get it and you you uh, reload it and you throw it it turns into four homing missiles that like track track enemies and kill them that stuff is great that sounds good and it feels good but like my actual like pointing down and putting my reticle on a thing and then shooting it it doesn't feel that good and it's weird because some of the guns that are in it like are fantastic looking they have all these cool visuals to them and all that stuff but it feels like i'm shooting water at everybody and that doesn't feel great um so yeah, that's just, my only complaint so far yeah i would been that i would agree with that the guns and i wonder if it is it's like they look so good and are so interesting that they don't pack enough of a punch to match the complexity of their design like yep. there are so many guns in this game I and mean, yes some are just like common pistol rare pistol and the really only difference are the numbers but also most of the things you pick up there are enough that look very different and Mm -hmm. also have different stats and different numbers that fly off of people which is really cool and i do wonder if that makes it yeah there's not enough weight to them because there are so many they couldn't spend the time differentiating between them like the way a needler feels even in Mm -hmm. halo is so different than a br Mm -hmm. than a pistol and in here yeah except for the number coming off i'm even like a shock like a eight barreled shotgun you know one barrel per lens on my iphone um (laughs) that's the type of thing that i feel like i should shoot and especially in this type of game i should then land on my butt you know like like a cartoon like or whatever it is yeah and there's not not enough kick on on any of the guns that you shoot yeah and that's it's a very small thing but it but it is a very like visceral thing that if you've played games where you feel it and you know it feels good like gears guns feel good to shoot yeah like you shoot a boltock pistol and that thing bangs you shoot a nasher shotgun that thing bangs i have a shotgun that shoots three like it's a three burst shotgun yeah and i have like low level enemies running through it and i'm just like okay i get it but like you got it you got to like make it worth because then you don't really have that differentiation when you get something that's like a crazy weapon right like even the stuff that is the um like boss named weapons they don't feel like boss level weapons they feel like here you got this thing really early on and it does a cool visual, but it doesn't do anything special. That's like, I just blew up the world. Like yeah. it doesn't do anything like that. Um, and some of the guns, they need to, they need to do that version of it to make it feel like you're not just running through a shooting gallery and yeah. they need to, they need to fix that part of it. Yeah. I think for me, the way I would sum up borderlands three, again, based on the time I played with it so far. So my impressions, not a review, um, do you like Borderlands and are you hungry for more Borderlands? If yes, you are going to love Borderlands 3. It'll probably be your mm-hmm. game of the year. Are you Borderlands curious and haven't played any Borderlands? Go buy Borderlands 2. It is dirt cheap. Looks great with all of the, you know, buy it on the current console with like the HD pack they've released for Xbox One X or the PC there is so much content attached to that game that is cheap. I think it was part of Game Pass at one point where it was free. Or uh, maybe maybe it is on Game Pass or it's like Xbox games with gold. Go play that um, and save yourself some money. And if you love it, 
then go get Borderlands 3. It'll also then be cheaper. There's a Kotaku article on their impressions, and there's a quote I really like. It's like the difference between being excited about Chipotle coming to your small town and choosing to go ch- and choosing to go to Chipotle in a big city. If that's what you like, <laughs> go for it. But has anyone told you about your options? And then mm. most, and then later in the article, mostly Borderlands Three feels like a game that doesn't have a whole lot to prove. It has piles of guns and a rude attitude and little people to shoot. Because hey, isn't that funny? Question mark. And I feel like. Again, if you love Borderlands, you will love this game. I, I enjoy the moment-to-moment. I, I like the run-and-gun strafey gunplay of Borderlands. Um, and I, I, I'm always moving and guns and powers and explosions and you know hundreds of enemies and all this stuff happening, I think, is, is exciting. Um, to me, the, the biggest nit, other than it, it isn't... Um, it doesn't feel new to me. It doesn't feel like it's pushing me in any new or mm-hmm. exciting way. The way so many games have in the last two years, I guess I've been spoiled um, by incre- maybe the last three years of incredible games. But I find the humor, which has always been hit and miss in Borderlands to me, to be more miss now than it ever has. And, mm. and maybe that's just because it's it feels the same. It feels stagnant. Um, but like Claptrap was funny and now it's still Claptrap. Like, <laughs> I get it. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I needed Chris Hardwick in his underwear. I don't know if I needed that today. Right. Right. I, I didn't need that. Um, I, I don't need a, a a large-breasted woman telling me like, "Where are you looking, honey?" And then like wiggling. Right. I. Th- that's me. That and again, my baggage. I, I have a bag so big it has to be checked, you know, like I'm not, it's not carry on. <laughs> and it's a, it's hard line to walk as a comedian myself. I know that I miss, you know, I have jokes that miss. I have jokes that a room will love and one person will hate and it will ruin their evening. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, comedy is hard. Art is hard. Um, and I think the to flip that, the praise, the glass half full version of that is kudos to borderlands pun intended for sticking to their guns mm-hmm. like this is borderlands and it, yep. it has a large fan base and i think they're going to be very happy by it i wish that it was doing something a little different yeah i'm, I'm happy you you kind of stepped into that and, and broached that part of the conversation because i was going to ask you what you felt about some of that because i had seen you know, of course, we're, we're we're in the industry. We're we're paying attention to the way that folks are talking about it, both on the consumer and on the reviewing and and media side of that. And and I found it really interesting that most of the scuttlebutt that came out of the initial impressions and reviews talked about the 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 humor kind of feeling out of place in the way that we are thinking about society and thinking about the conversations that we want to be having in terms of lowbrow, quote unquote, lowbrow humor and things like that. And it was interesting because I was just like of two minds and it, and I didn't know where to land, especially in mind you, my own baggage is coming from conversations around the latest Chappelle yeah. uh, 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 special. And now this in- information that's coming out about these new uh uh, folks on the SNL yeah. coming up. Um, so I I was in a weird space when it came to what the game was going to be bringing to the table in terms of its comedy and its narrative. And it's one of those things where 
I see where a lot of folks are coming from when they're just like, it doesn't hit. It feels like it's, it's, it's punching down or not even punching down. It just feels cheap mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I'm in a space now where like, I, hmm, I don't mind the jokes being cheap. I feel like you kind of need sometimes a space to have a cheap joke. A, a toilet and feel farting like at me okay. and throwing poop at me and giving me money is funny. Like, yes. Does it get repetitive in Borderlands? Yes, yes. But like, yes, cheap, silly, dumb jokes are, they work. There's a place, yeah. 100% a place oh, for them. Totally. And that's, and that's my thing was like, it felt like at least in some of the reviews and stuff that was coming out super early, that there was a little bit of nose in the airness coming from from sure. some of those pieces, which I totally get, and I and I appreciate the fact that people are thinking about it in these ways. But I also didn't go into Borderlands, any of the Borderlands games, with any expectation that it wouldn't be anything but that. And I feel like that's the difference between the where I'm coming from with it and where it's landed for some of the folks who are kind of been reviewing it and, and some of the more shared information that's kind of come out. I was like, I know it's not going to be smart but, in that way, even though Borderlands two with, with, um, with Tina, I thought in their secondary DLC, the stuff that came out afterward, that was like all the uh, D and D stuff that came out. I felt like that stuff was done really well. It was, it was pretty smart in the way they kind of played off of, some of some of the the other characters in it but i'm not looking i'm not going into borderlands 3 to to figure out if someone's gonna have their magnum opus of like really interesting things to say it's gonna be fart humor it's gonna be really stupid dumb not not really highbrow stuff i'm not gonna be thinking real hard after playing that game and being like that was a really profound thing that ellie said while she told me not to look at her breasts like it's not gonna happen in that place um so it was a little bit i was a little bit taken aback by the idea that that was going to be a place for those things to be in this game with these characters from the studio that already put out three games that were doing this stuff. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's a, a good point. My, my kind of thoughts back to it are one um, going into it, knowing, you know, what it's going to be or expecting something. Does mm-hmm. that make it okay? Or is the fact that the default is bad? a larger problem of our society today. Like, Oh, I know what this is going to be. It's, it is what it is. Like just the assumption that we're going to objectify this or blah, 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 you know, whatever. And again, I'm pro- I, there are far more egregious examples in borderlands. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting a hundred one star iTunes reviews longer to talk, <laughs> but I, I do think there's something. And as a cisgender straight white man, I realize uh, I am the problem. Um, I am the villain in every horror movie. I, 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 under, I understand. And I preface that by saying I am not pushing for, you know, uh, 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 what is it? Punch down humor in, in, in those ways. I'm just saying like the expectations yes. of people to be better when we seen that their bread is buttered by doing lowbrow humor I think that the expectations should be a little bit more reasonable when it comes to that stuff. Of course, we want people to do better, but also we live in a world where Honey Boo Boo was really popular. So I can't be really upset Yeah, that there are some of these things that just lay themselves out in these ways. And it's 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 okay. It yes. may not be for you, but it's still not terrible. Don't make it seem like it's the worst thing on the planet. Correct. And my last thoughts on the humor, not to belabor it more than we already have. 
Um, again, some of it, some of it hits. I, I do find some of it very funny, but there's some that I think is, isn't the best look for 2019. And then the other part mm. of it, I feel like it does something similar to what Sunset Overdrive did, which ultimately put me off that game of like, it kind of makes fun of me or itself or like the world in which it lives. And maybe there's a disconnect between the creative team behind the game and the marketing team, but it like, for example, rags on, like makes jokes about buying the deluxe edition. And I'm like, didn't you have oh, a $250 right. deluxe edition? You know, and I was like, don't forget to pre-order <laughs> so you can unlock this and like makes fun of streamer culture. But then also they sent reviews out to stream. You know, it was, it's interesting about like, again, mm-hmm. like you're holding the mirror up real close. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But if you like Borderlands, I think it's safe for us both to say you will love Borderlands 3. Um, it, it it does what it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to take it home with a couple of uh, quick questions here. Uh, you can find those. Go over to the subreddit to add your quick questions. You can also always email us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Great places to get in touch. Uh, I'd love to know your opinion on Borderlands 3 and its humor and how you feel about it. And I'd love people emailing me and telling me that I'm wrong and in polite and civil ways. I had people write in about that after we, uh, Anthony Taramina and I, and we talked about some of the harassment, harassment allegations. And I believe I replied to all of those emails and I mean it sincerely. Thank you for writing in and sharing your opinion. I, I really do appreciate it. So anything and everything, please write in as long as you don't say that control is not a good game. Anything else uh, you can, you can tell me about couple of quick questions from the subreddit uh first from nug nip uh Khalif, inspired by control but i won't be more specific because spoilers best use of a song in a video game i mean real song with lyrics licensed or not go oh man um probably oh man saints row Saints Row had some great stuff in there that was like hip hop inspired. It was actually like actual hip hop music. I think, um, I mean, Def Jam Fight for New York had some great stuff in it too. Uh, I can't think of much because I'm always, I've like always blocked that stuff out of my, out of my mind that I don't really pay attention to the, those parts. I remember the Mad World stuff in a lot of the Gears um, trailers being really, really well done. Yeah. Um, but stuff like actually in game, I don't really remember much that was in any of that stuff. Oh, that was a really good question, Nugnip. That's really good. I might have to think more on that. Mine is a cop out answer, but it is 100% my real answer. And it's Millen Colin, No Cigar, and Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. So, oh. total you know, sports kind of licensed music game thing. But Tony Hawk Pro Skater was such a great soundtrack, and Millen Colin was. An, I like their new album as well. Um, but that album had so many great songs on it. But every time that song came on, um, even more so than Gorilla Radio, but I'd be like skating the warehouse and No Cigar would come on. And it was like, this is the perfect song for this perfect moment. I'm never going to grow old. I'm never going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Two songs that should be, be, be in games are Annie Up by MOP and Throw Your Guns in the Air by Onyx. Okay. I wonder if they are. I wonder. I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, that's interesting. Second quick question from Nora9882. What genre haven't we seen in a while and is due 
some love. I think this is a particularly interesting question as we kind of talked about two games that felt samey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Khalif, what's a genre that hasn't seen some love uh, in a while and, and it needs a comeback? Survival horror. Like, I know that Blair Witch came out and I know that uh re is doing a whole bunch of stuff but i still feel like survival horror is not getting the love that it deserves like we just had um what is the uh evil game with the dude on the cover with the face on it i can't remember it um evil within evil within that's the Mm -hmm. name of the game like that's the one that we had most recently but i still feel and this is me trying to boost someone at ea to bring back dead space because that needs to come back really really badly yeah um but survival horror like i want there to be more of those things but i want there to be survival horror stuff that is attached to uh streaming services like i want there to be more interactive uh games that that play off of survival horror in in ways like that so that's that's my pick interesting Interesting. Yeah, I like that. I think it's a, I think it's a great answer. Um, I'm of two minds of this because I know that they kind of exist, but I think I want more of them. And I, I, I miss <laughs> the heyday of, um, and if Alex Berg is listening, which he probably isn't, but if he does, he'll be very mad at me because he doesn't consider 3D platformers to be platformers. Sorry if I'm putting words in your mouth, uh, Berg. <laughs> But um, 3D platformers, like, and I'm very excited for um, ukulele, the new ukulele to kind of do, it's like transitioned away from that. But Mm. I, while I really loved Odyssey, I am, maybe it's just as a person of a certain age, I I want, I like sunshine. Like, I want to go back to like weird people were trying everything and anything they can in 3d platformers. And I guess maybe it's because I'm right next to my Astrobot box in my PlayStation VR. And that mm. was the last 3d platformer I had that like kind of blew me away with what it was doing. Um, and I, I feel like there's still room in that genre for someone like I would, this, this is what I will love this. And I don't know what the game is, but I want Celeste as a 3d platformer. Ooh, like that would be really something gross. like that. Not this game I played that I haven't talked about. I did play chapter nine. It's very hard. I'm going to turn on assist mode. I cannot beat it without it. Um, it's a beautiful game and it's free DLC and uh, everyone should download it if they have the game. Um, but I, I want, like, I feel like we moved into this world where 2D platformers and Metro, Metroidvanias came back in a big way. And I love them. Hollow Knight, Guacamelee, Celeste, Ori. I love all of that stuff, but I want to see that. Like there was a time, and maybe it's just 3D in general, when like Castlevania did 3D. Um, you know, like everything was 3D because that was the hotness. I want to see that. I want to see all these learnings we have now from these awesome Metroidvanias and Control. Maybe that, <laughs> dang it, this is just Christian <laughs> loves Control. Maybe that's why it kind of resonated really well with me. Is that level of it has platforming a little bit, not like pixel perfect precision, but like Metroidvania Explory. Like I. I want to see cool stuff in 3D platformy type, whatever you call that genre. I want to see that. Mm. Sorry, that's so that's vague. That's a good call. That's a good call, though, because I have not seen stuff like that in a long time. So that, that makes a lot of sense. If it's there, that. dear listener, please yell at me and let me know, because I, I, I would legit like to play it. Like, what is, you know, what is the Ori in 3D? Hmm. 
Yeah, that would be really cool. Or like the evolution of that. that genre. Like, I don't know what it is. Hmm. Huh. Uh, well, we have our parting gifts coming up, but also our time has has come to an end. Um, Khalif, thank you. One, in my opinion, it flew by. Thank you so much for spending your evening chatting with me. Um, we talked about it a little bit up top, but where can people find you and keep up with you and all of the wonderful things you are doing? First of all, thank you always for, for rocking with me and, and having me on the show. You know, I love you. You are amazing. And DLC is one of my favorite shows, of course. Um, you can find us every Tuesday. We will drop a new episode on Spawn on Me. Uh, we've been again doing the show for almost six years or over 300 episodes. Uh, it has been an interesting and amazing ride so far. Um, if you're looking for a, a show that will dip into a lot of the conversations that a lot of shows don't like to dip into politics, race, conversations like that, then we are the show for you. Uh, we're on all podcast platforms, we're on portland radio at xray.fm as well we're the only video game podcast in the pacific northwest that is streaming on the airwaves um and also we're on twitch uh every thursday around 7 p.m doing our show live there um you can see me if you are wanting to hang out and you're going to twitchcon this year yeah uh, I will be there Saturday. I'll probably be there from Friday to Sunday. Uh, all day Saturday will be in the Frankers Theater. I will be moderating not one, not two, not three, but five <laughs> five panels that day and then doing a live version of Spawn on Me on Sunday at 1 p.m. So if you're at TwitchCon, come by and say what up. Um, and yeah, we're doing all the stuff on YouTube, Instagram, all those places. And at Spawn on Me on Twitter is where you can find the show. Yeah, you are the best. The show is incredible. Um, I've said this many times before, but uh, I know if you're still listening, go do all those things that he mentioned um, and go go say hi at TwitchCon, especially come panel five. Go say hi at TwitchCon because I think you I might, Khalif uh, will be <laughs> lost at that point. <laughs> I will be in control. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, I will be in the oldest house at that point. <laughs> um, so that's an interesting point. Um, red rum, red rum, red rum, uh, red rum. Everyone's like, oh, Okay, mm-hmm. I think we're done here. Uh, <laughs> but yes, go do all those things. For me, you can find me on Twitter at Spicer. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if there's a stand. No, nothing. It's, it, nothing that I know about right now. There's a thing that's now, but not now for you. Um, Twitter's always easy at Spicer. Um, you can always email the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. And you can jump over to the subreddit and jump into the conversation there. Add more quick, 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 quick questions. Quick questions. Um, and with that, uh, Khalif, do you have something to recommend people that perhaps isn't a video game? I do. So on my last trip, uh, I think it was actually at PAX. I was in my Airbnb and needed something to watch. And I was scrolling through Netflix and a movie called The Screwball Movie was in the lineup. And I was like, what is this about? And it was about the performance enhancing drug scandal of the baseball era in the mid nineties and late aughts, or I should say late nineties and early aughts. Um, And it really was a fantastic 
like behind the scenes story of how all those things came to be. If you were a huge baseball fan, you know what the steroid era was all about and how much it tainted the the thoughts and prayers of most people who were really excited about <laughs> the folks who were in, in those races and going for stuff. The thing that I actually found the most interesting is that they dig really deep into the connection that Alex Rodriguez had to all of those Dude. conversations and it was fascinating just to see how of a maniacal egomaniac A-Rod is. And I didn't like I people knew that that was a thing. I'm again a former New Yorker and not a Yankees fan, so this brought numerous amounts of joy to my heart. But <laughs> it was so cool to see just how bugged out Alex Rodriguez is about all of this stuff and how he played into it. So it is an absolute great watch. And the cool thing about it is that all the folks when they do the reenactments are played by children. Interesting. It's fan fantastic it's super super well done and it was a lot of fun to watch so that's the one thing that i would leave you as a parting gift screwball movie on netflix uh mine is i think much more regional based but i had the first the privilege honor i was able fortune to go to disneyland recently and to go to star wars galaxy's edge and i'm constantly blown away by disneyland and how well put together the park is in terms of like your sight lines you feel like you are immersed in a world when you're in adventure land you can't see fantasy land and vice versa and the way you transition into galaxy's edge and when you are in there the way it feels like you are in a star wars spaceport aside from like you know the hundreds of other tourists that are walking around with you um is absolutely incredible the way the land is built out and developed and realized blew me away and Smuggler's Run, it's the only ride available there right now. There are other experiences, but you can like watch some shows and then everything else costs money. You know, build your $200 lightsaber or your $100 Jord um, or buy your uh, drinks at the cantina. I've heard those, the lightsaber and the droid experience is like really cool. And like, yes, you get a high end collectible. Is it worth $200 or $100 after your admittance to the park? Hard to say. I did not do either of those. Um, but Smuggler's Run, just an absolutely incredible ride the way it evolves upon things that are in star tours, but it puts you in the cockpit of the millennium Falcon. Um, I was absolutely blown away by it. It is my, I'm a star Wars fan, a uh, pretty big star Wars fan. Yeah. Love it. Um, but it is my current favorite amusement park ride that I've had the, you know, the luck to go on and then just kind of experiencing the, the universe and like the shops, the market, it's like each one and down like this, the, row of you know like the little shop sector it's like they all sell like two things uh which i thought was very interesting yes there are a couple of bigger stores but it's like oh this has this plushie and that's it this has these key keychains, so they feel like these small little independent vendors and the way they kind of go commit to making a world is really really cool so if you are near a disney park that has a galaxy's edge open and you're willing to it wasn't super crowded when i went luckily but um if you're thinking about going you want to experience it i i highly recommend it and i probably only more so after they open more actual rides because the those imagineers <laughs> they're doing great <laughs> really 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 well done um and that's gonna take us home thanks to patrick l sean madigan zero star for those bumpers that i know i'm not using here while i am control i am in control of the the ship known as dlc but i do appreciate them uh, for making them. I love them. I think they're so much fun. So thank you. Thank you to everybody that's downloaded the show and listening to it and telling their friends about it. 
and spreading the word. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you to Khalif Adams for taking the time to chat with me and, and give up an evening to be part of this show so many times as he has. Thank you to Jeff Kanata, who is, I hear, doing very well and getting better every day, and hopefully we'll be back soon. Um, your password for this episode, sir, is orange. Let's see if you got this far. <laughs> uh, thank you to all of you. Until next week, think about what you put in the world. Make it a better place.